Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. Uh, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with a fantastic individual hailing from Baltimore, uh, Nick. Uh he is uh, definitely someone to be aware of, and you're doing a lot of good community work. And uh, to be honest, we haven't had many people who are dedicated to community work on the podcast. And I love that the interaction between hip hop and and the streets and kind of what you're trying to do. Uh, and you're the owner, CEO, and founder of Be More Than Dance. Uh, and yeah. also, a movie just came out, and I can see the trailer in the background as well. Uh, Dark City Beneath the Beat as well, and that's all about kind of bringing the the dance and and hip hop into the the community and and finding ways to to really change people's lives and show them out of the struggle. So I thought I might throw to you and kind of give us an idea about what you do and and what made you start. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting how all of it came together. Um, so the the, the the corporate way to say what we do is uh, we are a mentoring and talent enhancement program that teaches the youth how to, of course, get better with their talent and eventually learn to monetize their talent. Uh, the, the concept, however, did not start off originally like this. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, the, the culture here in Baltimore, the Baltimore club movement is something that, uh, especially for my generation growing up, uh, it was no way to miss it. It was radio. It was on our local TV stations. You walk outside, people are playing the CDs. It was no way to miss it. So growing up, uh, you kind of found your way into the culture, no matter, you know, what walks of life you came from. Uh, for me, while I am a huge fan and, and, and really, really big on the music, the, the dance kind of captivated me to, to a, a very special degree. Um, I was roughly about 14 years old when I first started getting into the, the entire dance culture of it all. And us being a smaller city, you know, it was, it's, it's a very competitive age. So I envisioned this concept that came from actually watching uh, one of the pioneers, DJ K Swift. Um, I was at, I attended an event and she used to host these dance battles with uh, some of the best dancers in our local community. Uh, I grew up a wrestling fan, WWE, what was then WWF, WCW. Who was your, and, who was your man? Who was the, who was the, uh... it's really hard to pick one. Um, Jesus, Jesus. If it comes down to picking one, it's Sting. It's all-time favorite. It's got to be Sting. So that's a little but, bit before my era. Like, I only watched wrestling for a little bit. My my parents were not a huge fan because, like, I grew up in a household of three boys. I'm the eldest. And so, okay. like, around 2000, 2001, I was 
seven. So that's like okay. when like the rock and like that was like the the and good era. Good yeah, era. <laughs> Steve Austin. Like I remember. Yep. Um, and that was like the the only period that I really watched. And so that's always got like a special place in my heart. The problem is we couldn't watch it because we as brothers tried to fight each other all the time. And <laughs> oh, do we it. did it all the time. <laughs> we did it. We got in trouble. It, it was just it's contagious. Um, if we go in that era, Triple H. Triple H. Um, that Seabro says in that I can go from being the the star of the show to being the the business uh, owner of the show. You know that that to me was, you know, once again it kind of highlighted where I started the whole concept of what I wanted to do. Um, I just envisioned our youth because at that point in time, you know, I guess I was considered the youth. Um, I just envisioned us potentially having an opportunity to put it on a grand stage, you know, to spotlight it and showcase to the entire world. So I started emulating this idea in my mind, started putting this whole concept. Um, Once I got to Morgan State University, that's when the club world opened up. At that point in time, you're old enough to get into the paradox. The Paradox legendary nightclub in Baltimore is no longer here. Um, However, upon receiving what I felt like was uh, a a pledging moment in life, (laughs) uh, once you get accepted into that crowd, the relationships blossomed. And I just put it together. The first event was called King of Baltimore. We we literally wanted to, as all-time fan favorites slash dancers ourselves. We just wanted to know who the best dancer in our city was. Um, the club music itself is very unique to us. So the dance style is very unique to the music. And I thought it was done. You know, I was I was very, very happy with the first event. We have a king. We know who's the best dancer in Baltimore. Have a nice day. Um, that was becoming the age of social media. So uh, to show my age, uh, MySpace was the place that the community decided to demand King of Baltimore tea. So, you know, I'm jumping on social media, just having a regular day and my inbox and bulletin board is full of individuals who's like, so it's about that time, what's going on? And I'm like, <laughs> we, we have a king, this king did not die. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, no. <laughs> what am I missing? Uh, he so got to defend was, the crown. He, he's got to defend the crown. And that's what it became. It was a matter of individuals having that, just just that desire to continue to showcase it. So, what started off as just one night of, you know, my dream coming true turned into the. Uh, the workload that we know is be more than dance. Well, something um, that I wanted to ask you was because I'm from not, I'm not from Baltimore, obviously. Um, I've never been to Baltimore. A lot of people listening to this probably won't understand the, the background to this. So what, is the, the challenge for a lot of individuals growing up. And obviously we can see in, in the documentary and, and the movie as well, from your perspective, what is the at the heart of the challenge and what do you think is kind of driving the both the culture but also the need for this kind of community? So 
upon coming into this community, I think one of the key things that you notice is you have to make choices. It sounds very, very simple. However, it's not. A lot of individuals who grow up in this culture, just like any other talent, practice makes perfect. By the time you begin to perfect it, you're, you're hit with real life. You know, you go from being a 14, 15 year old kid who is chasing your dream to the harsh reality of what do I do once I'm no longer, you know, I've graduated from high school, or, you know, the harsh reality. Some of our kids, some of the kids in uh, the community here, they choose other routes. They choose not to necessarily, you know, take school or academics as the route, you know, um, due to different walks in life, some of their lifestyles force them to, uh, to interact with the streets way earlier than, or if ever than anyone would ever want it to be suggested. Um, age, bills, having to realize, okay, um, if I'm not going to school, I have to get a job. If I'm going to school, I may have to get a job to pay for school. Uh, just everyday life, which in, I think, all across the world, whether you're from Baltimore, Australia, China, Africa, I'm pretty sure everyone has endured that moment where you have to make a decision. Do I chase my dream or do I settle for the reality of what life has given me? And while I was uh, blessed myself to be a college graduate, I was able to experience both sides of the fence. And that experience led me to understand that eventually these events that we were doing were a lot more than just catering to being a talent showcase person. You know, uh, we went from one annual event to over a hundred events a year. Now we're interacting with these kids on an everyday basis. We're teaching them how to build websites. We're teaching them how to stream, teaching them how to uh, do video productions and music production. Some of them are learning to DJ. And these are skill sets that we started to be necessary because this is our hip hop. So for the rest of the world that is very familiar with the hip hop genre, the Baltimore club genre itself is roughly 30 to 40 years old. Hip hop is roughly about 50 years old. It was inspired by hip hop and it was very shortly after hip hop started to take off that our pioneers started to take off with this music genre that we began to love. Um, you start to see splashes of it all around the world. Right now, you're currently seeing New Jersey start to take off with their variation that they call Jersey Club. Uh, Philly has been known for Philly club music. Uh, I think, uh, what's her name? Chloe, Chloe, she just dropped one of the, a snippet to a track that she's releasing that's sampling Mighty Mark and TT the artist, Baltimore club music artist, um, Sierra. I keep Lil Wayne, you know, the artists have been testing with our sound for years. Diplo, he became very popular with what some people would call a transition of Baltimore club music. So when you see that the industry is starting to transition and recognize the sound, and then you start to look and realize that the pioneers are right here, 
you know, it, it became about harvesting that energy earlier so that they could get to that level of success before the reality of life hits. And so is that what you try to do? Try to get to the, to the individuals early, make sure that you've got that choice so that it's not just college or streets. It's actually, here's a creative outlet. Here's how yep. you can make a career. And this is how you can explore your dream create creatively. You don't have to go through the predetermined paths. Yep. It, it, it's a, it, Began to, like I said, for me, this is about roughly about 15 years now. So originally it, it just was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of work, but it was something that we loved to do. And it was good for the community to have these. Then slowly but surely, as you started to see the limit of resources, you started to see the recreational centers close, basketball courts be taken away. Um, all of the outlets, the things that would allow a kid to be a kid, and then the rest of the world on the news gets the outlash of what happens when kids are forced to grow up early. So for us, it, it became a task. It became a very important task to look at the reality of what we were enduring on the everyday life because we were going through it. You know, I was literally a sophomore in college when I started it. I came out of school in debt. I mean, yeah, I came out of school in debt. I found a way to continue to let these ideas harvest and grow while being homeless for a portion of my life. And all of the realities of it setting in started to make us realize we need to get younger. We need to get younger. We need to get younger. Um, we have never pushed any age group away. So there's a lot of guys who have been here through this 15 year journey they're pushing 30s now then we have kids who's as young as six seven and eight and it's the constant transferring of that information transfer of experiences transferring of new teachers because every few years the next set is ready to pass on their knowledge um and just Realizing that everyone, while, again, my life experience took me something different. As you can see, yes, I'm a college grad. I'm not using my degree at all. You and I both, to be honest. <laughs> some, some are not blessed with that opportunity. Some, are, some, some literally just choose that it's not the route for them. Life is still life you're still going to have to find a way to earn a living. You're still going to have to find a way to take care of yourself in some financial aspect. So it, it, it became more of a demand in many ways, especially when you look at the hardship on this demographic here. You know, when you start to see all of those elements take the toll on yourself, your friends, your associates, uh, individuals of like mind, of like age groups, you know, the, the, the need to make a change kind of kicks in. I was going to ask, because you touched on a couple of things, and I will definitely ask about those, obviously your personal experience, but I wanted to ask, you touched on, you know, funding getting cut. You lose basketball courts, you lose recreation centers. 
what does that do to number one the the people that are using those outlets as support throughout their lives and why does that funding get cut do you have a perspective on that well it's 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 almost a tale as old as time when it comes down to urban communities um america in many ways has shown that the system of policing as well as uh, incarceration is a wealthy and financial, a a very uh, financially wealthy aspect for this country. When you start to understand that most jails are privately owned, when you start to understand that there are politicians who fought for the needs and desires of funding and individuals who were supplying their campaigns, you take a step deeper and start to understand that a lot of urban communities become a gateway. So if you start to look around and start to see a lot of these communities either one becoming a magnet, a a big magnifying glass is put on it for its crime rate. And in that same process, you start to see a lot of gentrification. You start to understand that all of these elements work together. So the logic of cutting funding relates back to the crime. Well, if you have a community that you understand is not as privileged as other communities, and you understand that an entire generation of men were taken out of their homes, So a lot of families are dependent on one parent. Those parents are traditionally working one, two, three jobs to maintain a living for their children. Meanwhile, their children have no recreation. And just like any kid, slowly but surely, they get into a little bit of trouble for fun. That trouble relates back to what they will relay the message as being neglect. However, they will not portray the stories accurately. In Baltimore City, we currently have a no child left behind system. A no child left behind system means regardless of your grades, we're going to pass you. Regardless of your grades, Baltimore City has a no homework policy. They don't send kids home with homework. So when you get home and mom is still at work and big brother or big sister is responsible for watching you, but they're going through their adolescent teenage years themselves, what do you do? You go outside and sometimes it winds up into little things like doorbell ditch that gets you labeled the the bad kid in the neighborhood. And slowly but surely, you start to temper 
and play with a little bit more of trouble. But it starts with outlets and resources. When you drive around the city and you see every single basketball court has the rims taken down. Every single one. See, I don't understand that. Like, I, you know, objectively, objectively, everything you've said makes sense. And then on a human-to-human level, I cannot understand it. Because, um, like, you know what I mean? It, like, Because it's, like, it's inhumane. It's inhumane. That's why we don't understand. You have to be a cold-hearted individual who only look at another individual as dollar signs to understand that. It's the same way, you know, I'm pretty sure you, you've seen on the internet where there are judges who will shove juveniles to a system or to a certain location because at some point in time, that individual was a part of a campaign or a part of a partnership or a part of some type of business that was done outside of the courtroom, but it gets pushed into the courtroom because I need a favor. Um, once again, it's very uh, inhumane. And as long as the headlines continue to portray it as, oh, everyone in Baltimore City is X, Y, and Z, then the outlook will never be looked at from that point of view. You know, it'll always just be, oh, of course they go to jail because everyone is criminals and, and thugs and, and, and the murder raid and et cetera, et cetera. Well, let's take a deeper look. You know, the stereotype is every uh, dark-skinned kid like me wants to play basketball, right? It's just, we, a we can agree. Or become a rapper. Well, then, when you look in our communities and realize the things that we like to do aren't available, what do we do? We go somewhere where it is available, but we're not accepted there in some way, shape, or form. And then when we come back here, it's literally all the negative things put right in front of us. You know, I can, I can't. My nearest library, I know libraries may be out of date, but I have to, you know, utilize that as an example. Um, my nearest library is roughly 15 miles. My closest liquor store is down the street. You know, so it's it's like the access to negativity is very accessible, very accessible. And to a growing curious mind, they're going to be curious in some way, shape or form. Everyone in the entire world, regardless of age, color, anything, has gotten into trouble before. The level and degree of trouble may be totally different, but everyone has experienced getting in trouble. Then when you start to realize your access to trouble is different, your lifestyle is different. And here... Everything has been used as an excuse. They brought in uh, the casinos and expressed that the, 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 the funding from the casinos was supposed to help the schools. Meanwhile, the schools do not have AC units. They don't have heat units. So as soon as the temperatures rise to a certain degree, they're sending the kids home. It's daycare. We don't care what your grades are. You get graded off of classwork. You have no homework. And we guarantee you're going to pass. 
So as a kid, what's your mindset going into school? Yeah, and even if you want to learn, you don't have access to a library, you know, all that. Yeah, it say like <laughs> this, it makes like and and this is the thing there, it makes no sense because literally the opposite way is the way you improve the community is you put funding into community projects you put funding back into schools you give people more opportunity to show them different avenues their life can take if you only see two avenues then that's all you think that they're your possibilities like it's the same with you know states with uh only factory workers when you grow up all you see is like that's going to be my life and then that's going to be my life happens so like the and you know, you and I are not even talking politically. You and I are just talking like what makes sense for individuals. Like, put yep. it, it makes no difference. You're 100 percent right. Whether you're white, black, Latino, wherever you come from, the the rules are the same. You got to make sure that you give people opportunities to number one learn and opportunities to express themselves without having so much access to negativity. And the thing is the the mindset and the the perception of Baltimore is purely based on outcome. It's not based yep. on the actual symptoms. And that's what you've got to tackle. You've got to tackle the symptoms. How do you get there? Not it's there. And then you like, it's like, it's so strange to me. It's like, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, if you're curing the flu, you're better off looking after yourself before you get sick, not when you're sick. So it has to go the other way around. You've got to start from the beginning. Well, again, and I like the analogy. It's one that is constantly used systematically here over and over and over again. The same way with, you know, to some degree, it makes more sense to treat you well it makes more financial sense to treat you for a sickness and give you a medicine that kind of takes care of it than to absolutely cure it. Because if I absolutely cure it, then I can't make any more money. You know? So I think so often while each generation that comes around is a product of their environment, we so often neglect to remember the previous generation. It begins very, very easy to cast that shadow and not really allow people to see all of it when you do it over a period of time. See, for Baltimore, it really was the heroin epidemic. The heroin epidemic is one that we are currently, what I would like to say is in recovery mode from. We are not the generation that used it, but we are the generation that was birthed from. So in doing so, again, what me and you have the intellect to understand and almost deem as common sense between one another when you have a community that was largely impacted by the war on drugs and different drugs themselves, that community begins to lose that intuition. 
you know? It's certain changes that you would think. I, for this occurring, I would have every single parent at City Hall. But because dad is incarcerated for selling drugs, mom is working three jobs and they have three children themselves, mom has to decide, do I go to City Hall and make my voice heard hoping that someone listens and risk the chance of getting fired from my job because they're not going to let me off work for this? Or do I hope in my head, the way that I've been trained, that my local politician is going to take care of these matters for me and I'm just going to continue to do what I have trained myself to learn is right which is provide for my family and just go to work. That tactic alone, slowly but surely, the parents stop showing up to the PTA meetings. If they're not showing up to the PTA meetings, they're definitely not showing up to the meet this congressperson, meet this congressman, come vote, come register for, you know, all of those elements get kind of thrown out and lost because you're so, and not to use one track in a negative aspect, but you're so one track on having that responsibility at home. So it's from this community to that community to that community. Those kids grow older, same thing is occurring. Same thing is occurring. And those kids didn't endure it exactly the same way that their parents did. So they don't understand that the same thing is occurring. They approach it with the same mindset, though. Let me just focus on getting this job, paying my bills, taking care of life. And it just becomes a cycle that nobody really responds to because everybody is expecting change, but no one is making the change. I think that transitions really well into obviously what what you do, but the the counter to that obviously is that, and you said it yourself in terms of your experiences. You you're a college graduate, but then you come out of college, no job is guaranteed, and you have <laughs> debt, and Super. it's different here in Australia. Like I still have my uni debt, um, but finding a job was hard for me, and I'm you know I don't come from an impoverished community. Like my parents were both born overseas, but they came yep. here. They, they, you know, they made some money. You know, I remember growing up in like a very small house, but they, they slowly made their way up. And I think I'm very privileged, but my grandmother, when she came, um, she worked in a factory to support uh, like my mom. And so right. I, I see that as, as the background and for my, my family's success and for, for my fortune, is is that but i can see also on the flip side is like if i went to uni and i had 50k in debt that i had to pay straight away i would be fucked we have something that's called hex and so hex is essentially a system where you go to uni you don't pay any money up front all the money is into a debt but it gets paid proportionately depending on how much you earn so if I'm earning 35,000, I believe it's 35, I'm not sure if you went up to 40, but 
between 35 and 40,000, that's when you start paying it off and it gets deducted every time you get paid. So So it's a system designed to be like, you go to uni and the whole point of going or going to college, the whole point is so that you get a job and you should be getting a job that allows you to earn X amount. And if you're not earning that X amount, then the university degree isn't worth it and therefore you don't pay it. So, so I like hell of a way. I think it's That's I mean, a hell of a way to do it. But it's a better system because you encourage education. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, you know, our system is not perfect. Let me make it very, very clear. It is far from perfect. You know, not a lot of people get opportunity and it's more privileged people to get more opportunity. If you go to a better school, you get a better opportunity. All that kind of stuff of still course. exists. But obviously expecting someone who finishes their degree at 22 and giving them $50,000 worth of debt, no guaranteed job, no career prospects, what do you expect is going to happen? Then you become desperate because the government is after you for cash. So what do you do? What's the end result? Make away or nowhere. Make away or nowhere, you know? And while I, I think, and that's a, another systematic tactic that bothers me. You know, um, no one struggle is necessarily greater than the other. So, so often when we get into expressing the struggles, it gets misinterpreted as laziness, outcries, things of that nature because of what someone else may accomplish who went through very similar struggles. Um, but I think all around the board, the messages of everyone's struggles are very similar. You know, again, I don't think these are point of views that really matter whether it is a black community, white community, Hispanic, whatever race, whatever. I think it is a point of view of mindset. Opportunity creates greatness. Period. The same way we like practice makes perfect. So if we continue to create practice, eventually people will become perfect. But we have to care first. And um, every generation <laughs> looks back at the last generation and like to point out the flaws. But I think globally, where we've, especially with social media, uh, smartphones, just technology as a whole, we're, we're really losing that touch of care, family, for people, you know. Um, I notice how, you know, you can check as you're on social media and things of that nature, people will talk about how uh, you can go to a restaurant nowadays and you you can see families and couples and, and things of that nature out and everybody is here, <laughs> you know, in the phone, scrolling. And it's just like, it's become a place where the, especially after COVID, or well, during I don't know if we're over whatever phase we're in. Of yeah, that I think I think we're learning to live with it at the moment. To be honest, yeah, it feels think, like yeah, we're all is. we're all in that phase of like, okay, well, this is here to stay, and we're just it's a, yeah, 
Anyway, this we got to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, right? We'll keep the ball rolling because otherwise we'll get into a COVID rant and <laughs> I feel like but we could be here for hours. Oh, yeah. But it's uh, it's, it's just becoming so, it's, it's no longer personal, you know? Um, myself, I tell you, the other day, so in Baltimore, we're doing these, uh, we're, we're performing at the Inner Harbor. And every year I host the King of Baltimore. That's, that'll be in November. So this is like our promo today. Um, while the show is going on, I kind of like to st- step away, take a deep breath. Uh, I suffer from anxiety. So, you know, sometimes I kind of unwind. Um, I'll slide over to the bar, have me a drink or something, come back, ready for show. Um, I, I went, go grab some food, and I'm walking. And I see this guy. I have no clue who he is, where he's from, anything of that nature. But I noticed he was doing something that I like to do myself. He was holding his phone, finding places to hold it up, using the timer to take his pictures. I'm a shoe fanatic. I love shoes. I looked down. Immediately, I understood what his problem was. He was trying to find a way to get his whole outfit in his his picture. So I walked gently up to him. Hey, bro, let me hold your phone. I got this for you. You know, I bust out the boom, boom, boom. He's like, oh, my God, I appreciate you. I just wanted one great picture to send to my girl, man. And gave his phone. Bro, have a good day. That interaction, I promise you, it made his day. It's not often that we go outside and somebody's just nice. So for me, that moment, you know, and it may have been just a shot or two that I took, but it left me in a great mood. and immediately I had a moment that just showed me how our interaction as people has become, in my personal opinion, piss poor, you know, that yeah, I agree that we, we no longer have that community. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, and this actually goes back to a COVID and I, and like, I understand why people have to wear masks, but you and I can both agree that when a mask covers your face, you cannot smile at somebody. And when you not cannot smile at somebody, it does not show the positive interaction. So what do yep. you assume? You assume negative interaction. And so yep. the mask, let's say medically is required. Let's say it is. I know there are people who don't think it is, whatever. Let's say it is. But what you hurt is the ability for us to interact as humans. Like if I have a mask over my face right now and you do the same, we can't see the smile. You can't, the laugh doesn't come through the as personal clearly. Interaction, yep. and, and that continues to hurt our ability to communicate as individuals. And, and the whole thing is like you and I, like we're not the beakers of this is how you communicate, but it just shows that you need to learn how to do it. Like, and I've said Absolutely. on my podcast, I've said this before, if I feel like I haven't spoken to somebody in a while or I haven't had a good enough conversation, I go and grab a coffee and I start a conversation with my barista or you just, That's just cool. anyone. It doesn't matter. It's, it's training yourself. It's forcing yourself to get better. So like, if I can go, thank you very much. How are you doing? Or whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but you start the interaction and then they smile and you smile back. Congratulations, positive interaction. And you build off that energy. It also just shows you that you can talk to people. Like, I think that's the big misconception, especially with phones, is a lot of people feel anxious to speak to others. But I they're probably so. feeling the same way. Absolutely. 
I think some way, shape, or form that, um, and this is in no way, shape, or form, any disrespect to any communities across the board. But I think with the pro, the, the, the constant promotion of uniqueness that everybody is kind of shied away to their own quarters. Uh, it's interesting that this scene <laughs> in the documentary comes up. Um, for example, here in Baltimore, our LGBT community played a very huge factor in the mold of the Baltimore club scene, whether you know it or not. You know, one of the biggest pioneers of the 90s, early 2000s era was, uh, well, 90s was definitely Big Tony slash Miss Tony. You know, that was Tyler Perry before Tyler Perry. <laughs> you know, and so often one of the dialogues that I have with our LGBT community is, you guys isolated yourselves. For whatever reason, I have no qualms with why. But that isolation, again, you know, here I break it down and I say our culture started to isolate itself completely. The DJs went over here. The producers went over here. The dancers went over here. You know, the creators of Like Mind were here. So everybody separated. So what originally the paradox brought us all together, now you got six different communities of this one little group. And we're not getting along because everybody thinks their way is the right way when all of we're doing is the same thing. Let's come together, figure it out. It's happening all around the world. The, the, the very moment, and I'm not suggesting everyone because some people understand, some people don't. I don't have a problem with either or. Um, but the moment someone screams Black Lives Matter, they regard it and think that it's saying no one else's lives matter. So then it's, well, blue lives matter. Well, white lives matters too. Nobody, up oh, instantly, groups and separation. Yeah, the, the best analogy I heard about that is like, if there's a house on fire and the, like the, you get a fire truck to go to that house to put the fire out, no one in the other houses goes, my house matters as well. That's right. the house that's on fire. You've got to fix that shit right now. And if it's spreading to your house, then, yeah, we'll get to your house too. But if it's a, one fire, one house, you yelling, my house matters. Yeah, it does. But it's not on fire. So calm down. Like, it's not relevant then, right now. And I don't want to make it appear insensitive because it's, that's not the goal. But it's a reality into what's going on and what we see every day. You know, everything is being turned into an inclusive group instead of caring and understanding about individuals. You know, right now, uh, the young lady from the Olympics, uh, she's supposed to run the 100 meter for, uh, for USA, Shakira Rock, uh, Richardson, I believe it is. Um, the marijuana incident with her. The first thing people did was, well, Michael Phelps got caught with this and this person got caught with the comparison, inclusion, tear us apart. No, all of us are a fan of this young lady. 
all of us are disappointed by. Fine. Why can't that be the end of it? It immediately turns into a tear each other apart, become inclusive and group up, and now we're only going to connect with those individuals in that group. And it's tearing away the wholesomeness that kind of creates humanity. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think... We can agree to disagree. Yeah, we have, I think... The challenge, and I go through this, so I'm not saying I definitely don't, like ego. Like you haven't, there's ego to like, I want to be the person who's right. I want to, even if I'm wrong, I want to be right because I've point, this is my point of view. And no matter what I hear, I'm going to stick to my point of view. And anyone who feels like that, I'm stubborn. Trust me, I'm stubborn. You can literally ask anyone that I've interacted with, that I work with, my family, my friends, my ex-girlfriends especially probably, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a stubborn person. So when you say, like, I understand it, the problem is it doesn't help anybody. That literally not it's not conducive to positive thinking. It's not conducive to helping anybody. Okay, if you're right, you're right. What do you do then? There's no point making an enemy Here's out of the cookie. person. Yeah, I seen like, what's the point? If you and I have a disagreement, for example, what's the point of becoming enemies after it? Instead, we got to understand each other so that we can work together, even if we have differing views. That's what yep. community is, is like, you and I don't agree, but we can still be civil and we can still work together to try to find the best result. Out. Yeah. We can figure it out. Meet us in the middle. Let's let's meet in the middle. You know, uh, compromise. You know, it's 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 really become a matter of do we compromise? Can we take a moment to put ourselves in someone else's shoes? You know, and sometimes it's not even a matter of someone else, literally, but it's literally it's more of a here's the context. Can I take my feelings out of? Period. You know, um, we're not ever going to understand everyone's struggles. But we can relate in some way, shape or form to our own to understand the emotional aspect of what it feels like to struggle or what it feels like to need people when you are struggling. You know, um, and I think again, it's about trying like try to understand like yeah. you know you may never get it and i may never understand like you you may tell me till you're blue in the face everything that you've gone through and i will never understand it but my job is not to understand it's my job is to listen and try my hardest to understand absolutely and that and- again it's like you focus on the outcome rather than this the symptoms what's leading there and if you try to understand, guaranteed you will learn more than you think you will, even if you think you don't. Just sometimes you just got to stop talking, start listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but some of those are just lessons that can't be taught, <laughs> sadly. You know, um, when it comes down to just how humane we are as individuals. You you know, to some of us, it's common sense. To some of us, it's this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be. You know, everybody kind of takes their own approach to it. 
but I do believe in some way, shape, or form that, especially you know, be more than dance is concerned. We we take a major look at the symptoms, but our goal isn't to patch up every symptom, but more so much to find a, a cure for it all. You know, it's just like, okay, we don't want to fix one thing, but still have the issue there. Fix this, fix that. You know, it's literally, for example, this documentary is amazing. You know, uh, it's time and it's great, but the gentleman behind me, I met Mello, I want to say about 10 years ago. You know, when I met him, he had lost his father. Um, he was transitioning from home to home to figure out, you know, just how he was going to make a way. And he was, he was barely 18. You know, he was barely 18 years old. To this day, he went from uh, brief moments of being homeless, trying to make a way. He's currently the reigning king of Baltimore. He is the uh, one of the DJs for the brand. Majority of our bookings and events, he's our DJ. Um, he's been a teacher in Baltimore City Schools for dance. You know, his resume is becoming very, very immaculate, to say the least. Today, he just uh, taught a dance class at the Kennedy Center in uh, Washington, D.C. Wow. Um, you know, some of these these things that they begin to accomplish under our umbrella is a real testimony towards just realizing, you know, hey, if somebody just cared a little bit, you know, uh, we work hard, we work extremely hard, but a lot of the accomplishments are coming because this is talent that they had and they just needed an opportunity to show it. And by providing them with that care and concern that the outside world isn't necessarily always willing to give them, they start to harvest it differently and they start to become better people. You know, I laugh and I tell him all the time, I say, bro, your resume is better than some of my college grad friends. And this is coming from a guy who had, you know, if, if you let him tell, tell it, he barely graduated high school. Not to make that the shiny moment and suggest anyone do that. It's to suggest if your life has taken a path that you need other outlets because you can't take the traditional route, you can still be very successful. You can still be very successful in life. Will it be hard? Yes. Will it be bumps in the road? Absolutely. But you can still manage a way to be successful. And it starts with just a little care, <laughs> sadly enough. And I think in addition to that, it is that you can be successful in a creative outlet, that it doesn't have to be in a traditional sense of the word success. It can look different. And, you know, the the, the movie is playing in the background and I've always been a fan of like B-Boys, like just I've always been a fan, like even as yeah. a kid, like head spinning and like, there's a dude, if you haven't checked him out, Chico, an Italian dude who literally just spins like, and then Junior as well. Anyway, so I'm, I'm a fan of B-Boys. And the thing about the dancing is that like, 
even me watching it through your screen, like through Zoom onto your screen, I'm getting energy Captain from me. it. It's, it's <laughs> yep. also energetic. Like I can only imagine what it's like being in the room. You hear the music, you feel the energy from the performer and everybody must get this sense of like, God damn, we can literally accomplish anything purely because there's that energy. That's what creativity does. It like inspires you. So, you know, I, when I was a kid, I never thought I was that creative. And then the older I get, the more creative I feel I am. And I'm like, that's a symptom of not the not being fostered at school or, or just like just what definition of creative is. But like creativity is fantastic and that's what we should be promoting. I completely agree. I think um, history always has a way of repeating itself. Um I think we're going through an era where we're starting to accept that a lot of things are outdated, whether it is our school systems, whether it is our nine to fives, whether it is our human resource policies at some of these nine to fives. Um, we're just starting to realize that a lot of it is outdated and it's based on a different time in life. I think we're also in that era of new and different, innovative, creative opportunities, jobs, systems are being implied. You know, in Baltimore, I'll give you an example. We, we got this thing. We go in the corner, we do this. That's our way of flagging down a ride. It's called the hack. It's literally an app for that now. You know, I remember when Uber and Lyft was coming around and I'm sitting up here thinking to myself, so it's okay to accept rides from strangers now. You know, it's encouraged. Like, it's encouraged. Yeah, it's literally like, yeah, everyone's like, no, go get an Uber. I'm not driving you, even though you, you know, know me. Yeah, go get an Uber. Even though I no, that, that, that's the safest, securest route. So then when we start to realize things such as that, you know, I think um, even down to just the age of telephones for me, my first phone was a, a Nokia. I had Snake. You know, that was, Best that was game my game. Best I could game play that for hours. <laughs> for hours. Don't let that snake take up the whole board. You can't you're figuring it out, but you were so excited to get to there. So annoying when you the know? little when the when the food is on the edge, you're like, oh, god damn, just put it back. Oh yeah, in the middle. it's over. Yeah, it's almost over. <laughs> if, if it hands not quick enough, it's almost over. The worst is you when know, it was so... too long and you have to make your way all the way around the screen again to get your yep. next opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, for those of you who didn't have a Nokia phone, a golden era of phones, indestructible as well. If you go to your local Walmart, they, they're practically free. They're probably like five bucks. But you, if you want to experience it, they're still out there before they're absolutely isolated. Like they're, they're like, uh, you know, they're like endangered species right now, you know. Um, but, you know, once again, down to that, when, I, when the, 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 the evolution of the next tell came, Oh, I, I thought it was never going to get any greater than that. I'm sitting up here like, bro, click of a button. I can alert my friend. He can chirp me back. Bro, where you at? I'm over here. Oh, on my way. Sure. Now you tell, Now look at what we, look where we are. You're in Australia. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. 
and we we are having crystal clear, you know, audio perfectly simulating between the two of us. And it's streaming. At the touch of a button. And it's streaming. At the streaming. touch of a button. Live. Live. You know, so to understand that we are constantly captivating the world with a new way. You start to look at the system and say, okay, this may be a convenient route. This may be a more, and it's not really comfortable, but it's more comfortable traditional route per se. But then you also start to look and realize here you are with music producers who no schooling at all and they make more money than me. Here you are with, uh, you know, uh, different individuals who just decided, hey, I'm going to get into radio with no experience, like back in the day when I had to go to school. But no, my personality is amazing. I started this podcast and here I am bringing in revenue. You have to start to look at the reality and say, okay, what do we do next? Do we continue to call everybody who don't who does not make it the traditional route of failure? When we have so many examples of success, regardless of what route do you, that you take? Or do we start figuring out other routes? Pretty simple if you ask me. You know, however. The world is traditionally ran by individuals a few generations before us. So in doing so, we tend to follow the script as it is given to us from the generations of past. And in no way, shape, or form am I saying anybody from our age group would make great leaders. (laughs) (laughs) Not to take anything away from us. I just think that there always has to be a uh, a sprinkle of understanding the next, understanding the next. And I think that's why we wind up with, you know, half the half the nation is in debt through college. But then you turn around and, you know, not to be like, not in a negative sense, but me personally, you know, as a college graduate who experienced crazy debt, I love sports. I love it. But sometimes I kind of want to just run through a wall when I see some of the contracts. I'm like, not to suggest they don't deserve it. That's not what I'm suggesting. I just sit there and I say, I just wonder what a teacher could do with that. A quarter of it. I wonder if some of these teachers who love their job, who literally go to school, ambitious to come out and teach the elementary and the middle and the high school grade levels. And then they get hit with the reality of the paycheck. And then they start to say, maybe I need to go do this. And then the people who don't even really love school at all, who just need a paycheck are like, "Ah, I guess I'll go teach. It's crazy that like I've had this con- this exact conversation with people and I've said literally a teacher earns less money, a nurse earns less money than a dude who puts a ball in a ring. Yep. And and I understand why. Like I love sport it's as well. Business. Like, like business. that's what it yeah. Entertainment, you've got, you know, gambling, you've got 
you know, everyone pays for tickets, you've got merchandising, it is business. And so as a result, more money goes funded into those areas because you make higher returns. I understand all of that. And then on the flip side, obviously sports stars have limited careers. So if your life as an athlete is, let's say from 18 to 40, that's only 22 years at max, right? And then from okay. there, like, but these are all the the counterpoints to that. And But I'm still like, and someone said to me when I was growing up, you, you would be a good teacher because I used to teach kids how to swim. And I tell you, I never went into it because I knew for an absolute fact I wouldn't make enough money. I get it. And I say, say, everybody here tells me, you're great with kids. Why do you? No, no, I do apologize. You know, I have to make a living as well. But one of the things that's, I guess, intriguing in it all is, again, it all points back to how a system is ran. For example, every single person sees taxes come out of their checks. We have no clue where this tax money goes, what's done with this, why it's really taken. You know, we say we understand, but we don't get it. But then we look around and we say, hmm, what if some of that actually went to teachers? When you see these, and once again, I have no qualms with them. Much respect to the business that they grew, the millions that they earned. But then when I look up and I see Amazon CEO get away with paying no taxes because of loopholes, I also realize, hmm, maybe that's $50 million that could have went to paying your disgruntled teachers and nurses and individuals who you guys can't seem to find this money for. But we can start a nonprofit organization known as the NFL that generates billions. We're not talking thousands. We're not talking millions. We're talking billions of dollars. And they seem to find every loophole around taxes and doing with everyday people like me and you have to and do they it. don't play every single day like it's not nope. like they're they're like and it's crazy to me because it's like you play once a week nba not the same they play multiple times a week but let's be honest it's less than the working what like oh, you're not working nine to five like yeah i get it like i used to be a national swimmer like that's i used to be good at swimming so i get it like as an athlete i understand that side of it but the remuneration does not make sense i look at you know soccer the 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 premier league they pay hundreds of millions of dollars to break a contract to simply get a player to play for you they're just literally getting it it's literally like all right you're gonna move here now and you haven't even paid the wage and i wonder if you put that money back into community resources back into proper wages for That's all. That's all. like jobs that are underpaid. We're not saying lawyers deserve more money. I'm definitely not saying, that, but ah. nurses, teachers. And the other thing is historically, these jobs have been performed by women. So you can see. I can give you a better, I can give you a better title for it. Cause we, 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 we dug the title in the hole over the last year. You want to know what we call it? Essential workers. 
they 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 utilized it to the advantage all year long. But then when it comes down to the essentials being taken care of, that's always the problem. You know, um, and again, there's no qualm with the businesses. It goes back to the fact that there are loopholes for the millionaires, but there are not loopholes for that teacher to say, okay, all I make is 40K a year. Why do I have to pay taxes? You, you add up the sum of the cost of living, you realize it is greater than the annual income. Why am I even paying taxes? Explain it to me, please. Where does it make sense to you? However, uh, for example, here in Baltimore, we, our gas and electric company is called BG&E. They own one of the, the largest water fountains downtown Baltimore. Their bill has already exceeded a million dollars. That fountain runs every day. Me? Let me not pay that bill one month. You would not be watching this in your background. <laughs> one month. This is a 10-year bill that they've created and has yet to be paid. You know, so it's like the leniency is, oh, he's a millionaire. He'll pay it eventually. Where it's here, it's all he has is $5. Get three right now. It's, once again, it, it touches all back to the humane aspect. We're no and, longer... Yeah, and there's an example here in Melbourne where a few years ago there was a contract to do some tunnel upgrades or some road upgrades or whatever it was. And then new government gets elected. They tear up the old contract. But because they tore up the contract, they still had to pay the company for the work that was to be done. They had to pay them three hundred and sixty odd million dollars. Don't quote me on the exact amount. I know it was three hundred. Yeah, I get you. I know it was three hundred plus million for work not done. Not done. Pay me a, a million dollars. I won't do the work. To be honest, I'm about to say I'll go do it for you. Yeah, you want, you want to meet in the middle? <laughs> we yeah. can split it. <laughs> I won't do it for fifty bucks. If you pay me fifty bucks, I won't build the road for you. Done. Consider it a good deal. But it's crazy because. The money and and you know we probably we didn't mean to get into a political discussion at the beginning of this, but the the thing is that it's just factors. It's just and, factors. And and they and they influence and it ties into why you what you're doing is so important because you're impacting people who otherwise would not be having the same opportunities that they have at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Um. Again, it, it, and that's why. I, the necessity came about, you know, um, a few years ago, every few years I'm hit with the reality of how much of a necessity it is. Um, the first for me was, the, the, the first probably was losing Queen Fagger. Um, there's a scene in the documentary that's dedicated to her. Um, she was, she was a pioneer and um, you know, her background, she came from what some people would prefer to as the projects. You know, she was tough girl all the way through. If you go and say, you know, to the schools and they would say she's fighter, she did this, she did that, da, 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 don't know, stay away, trouble, 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 trouble. Myself, TT the artist, um, international artist, Ra Ra from Baltimore. 
uh, DJ Blackstar, they all took her on tour. She was welcomed and applauded and screamed for on international stages. This young lady literally changed the outlook on bad people. And that was kind of the breakthrough that, that just showed if you give them the opportunity, they want it. They want it. It's just not too many people giving it to them. So they get by how they get by, you know? And, you know, um, she tragically passed in a car accident. And we still feel the effects of it because we meet other individuals of similar backgrounds, of similar talent, just like her every day. In my few years, in my 15 years, I've, I can't tell you the amount of funerals we've attended from kids that at one point in time was on the right path. But slowly or surely, or at times, you know, just because of hiccups in the road, they fall off the path. And it's so easy to be hit with the harshest of realities when you fall off the path. So a lot of the things that we touch bases on are a lot of the symptoms. But the goal ultimately is to find the cure that heals all those symptoms. I'm not sure if I would love to say we're the cure. I would love to say, oh, it wouldn't be true. It's not enough of us. We don't have all the resources. We're fighting for it now. Right now, we've literally been running 15 years as a pop-up shop. Trailblazers, wherever we lay our hat, that's our home right now. We were lucky enough. Um, what I like to say is only because of this, you know, regardless of what some people may say, um, we were blessed with the Inner Harbor. Three months ago, if I would have came out there with my speakers and my dance crews and hosted dance battles, and, and I would have got hit with all types of fines and kicked off the premises. Now I got a big corporate move behind me, you know, apparently that symbol granted access. I literally looked at my email one day and it was just like, really? Only thing I wish I could do is find all the fines that they gave me. <laughs> like, so can we, how, how do yeah, we refund? go about fixing this? Yeah, refund? <laughs> yeah. Can I get some interest on that as well? Some, you know, yeah, CPI on that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's just, it's, it's a day, it's an everyday fight. And I just think um, awareness is, is a big part of, it. you know, just being able to simply have these type of discussions where we start to touch bases on just the needs, you know, we're not asking for too much. We're saying, Hey, you're secretly funding a casino with our recreational money. Can we have our rec stack? <laughs> and also it's not that difficult to see. Like, you, like 
we, you and I are not experts in politics. You and I are not experts in economics, awesome. in all these things, right? But we can put two and two together. And unless something else is happening that someone wants to educate us on, please, we'll listen. Two and two, like, always equals yeah, four. Always. That's it. So, you know, at, at some point, the picture paints itself. And, you know, I think it's it's really important that, and I'm a big advocate for different things. Like I'm a big advocate and we touched on sport, but, you know, having access to sport is so good for kids. Having access Absolutely. to libraries, you know, as much as people don't read that many books or don't go to libraries these days, it still keeps you off the street. So as yeah. you, may, you may turn around and go, even if it helps three people, the three more people that you didn't help otherwise. And funding in those areas is so important. Like I spent my childhood growing up playing sport. That's what I did. That's how I, you know, got to where I am. That's where I learned the skills and, and learned discipline and learned commitment, all those things. So the same happens with dance. The same happens with, you know, drama. The same happens with music. All these outlets actually start to create a whole individual rather than just single people. You become multifaceted. You start to learn so many different ways of thinking. For me, um, my life is a testimony to that. And my, so growing up, um, I, my father was from an area called Sandtown, which is very close to Edmondson Village, west side of Baltimore. Um, when I got into roughly, I want to say about elementary school years, uh, my parents were both working, rebuilding their lives and credit. So me and my siblings were kind of split up amongst family members to go to school through the week. My grandmother was the only one who had the heart to take care of the boys. So we were at grandma's Monday through Friday. Grandma lived in Park Heights. Um, depending on which side of Park Heights you're from, you experience different parts. When I was in the Park Heights area, we saw everything from drug use to guns to violence, all of the above. Uh, when I got closer to about high school, my parents were able to move us to an area known as Baltimore County. Believe it or not, I saw some of the same things in Baltimore County. And this is a very well, you know, highly decorated area. The difference was so many less people entertained those things because there were so many things to do. Upon coming to high school, immediately I found football. I found track. I found wrestling. I found girls. <laughs> you know, for a 14-year-old boy, those four things alone is enough to keep you away from all the negatives. I had homies who smoked weed in high school. You know why I didn't go roll the blunt with them? I had to play football and my coach would look me dead in my eye and say, okay, you know, I wasn't getting put off the team. So you wasn't going to catch me smoking. I had homeboys who 
at an earlier age than some were partiers and like to dip and dab with a little beer and drink here and there. However, I knew the girls that I hung with was going to tease me. You stink. You smell like my grandfather. <laughs> duh, duh, duh. Things of like that. I'm not interested in it. You know, so they all counteracted. I may not have saw it in the mass that I saw it in when I was in, in, in the inner city, but I still saw it. You know, I saw a different community over there. They use crack over here. They sniff coke. <laughs> you know, I literally witnessed it. However, I had so many opportunities that I didn't feel the need nor desire to engage in every wrong. Sure, I got in the fights. Me and the football team, you know, we, we, we skipped for senior cut day. You know, um, I got suspended for kissing a girl in the hallway. You know, things like that. I, kid trouble, things kids should experience. Some of my friends growing up, some of them are not here. You know, some of them who are here are experiencing life behind bars or had to serve long prison sentences because of other walks of life. We weren't much different. We weren't much different at all. I grew up with most of these guys. The difference is opportunity. Put me in this atmosphere, you can put the same exact things around me. The same things. However, all of these other things are the greatest distractions that keep me intrigued, keep my mind growing, keep me learning. And they allow me to be somebody. And it's fun. That's the other thing. Like, it's actually fun to do. And then you find other people who are like you. And then you, like, feel like a second family. Like, you just... And there's nothing like going through hardship together, like, especially in sport. Like, if you have a hard session, you getting through with the person next to you, it's like you understand each other. You become like family because, like, you saw... Like we both saw each other go through hell and we both made it. We made it together. And it's the same with every art form. When you're nervous and you perform and then I see you you perform and you kill it and then I kill it, even if I don't kill it, even if I make a mistake, you saw me in such a vulnerable position. You were there to support yep. me. Then you become family and it fosters positive thinking rather than the opposite. Absolutely. And you know, I wanted to touch on what your vision, because you've been doing this for, for quite a while and you've got people to to start to step out of, you know, what the predetermined paths were and level them up essentially. But yeah. what do you see as the long-term vision for, for what you do and for what your organization does? So the beauty in it is every day the vision can change. Um, not so much the big picture, but just the creating of opportunity. You know, um, we never knew we were ever going to be on TV, let alone what is this generation's AMC. You know, for me, we was movie tickets. Straight to the box office, get the ticket, got to see it. Now it's literally 
comes out at 12 midnight because it's streaming on this platform. Um, the sky has become the limit now. You know, originally the goal would have just been content with making the events that we are most popular for, you know, letting them be on some type of national platform, getting dancers from all around the world. But now we've created opportunities for the next movie, the next film, the next TV series. Um, you know, we've got a lot of individuals who are in these film who are now interested in the, the elements from the beginning. Um, we're getting back into the music, a major focus there. So a record label is one of those focuses, you know, um, having such of those things is creating almost like a funnel to an extent. It's almost one of those things where similar to when, you know, you hear the trade schools on the commercial say, guaranteed to get a job 30 days after graduation or course completion. Well, here we are. We're saying we're going to guide you through this. And once, you know, the harvesting of talent is done and you're at the point where you're ready to monetize it, we'll be right here to help you do that as well. Uh, we currently already have stepped into the role of management and bookings. So we accept management and we accept uh, booking roles and opportunities that gets these guys paid. Uh, we accept contracts for schools, for teachers and different programs, summer programs, outs um, outlets and things of that nature. Um, the next goal is creating the music outlet, the music group that learns how to produce the music from scratch so that even as kids, they can start to build streaming revenue, even if it's small increments, you know? I think it'd be pretty dope to start introducing 14 and 15 year old producers, you know? And their music actually being streamed because someone cared to say, all you gotta do is set up a BMI account, the basics. So in a confident way, I see Be More Than Dance being the monetization that it teaches. Literally, Be More Than Dance. Exactly. Yep. Well, well man, look, I think that your organization and part of the reason why I said yes is because I think your organization does extremely important work and it gives a lot of people and a lot of individuals opportunity that they don't ordinarily have and so i commend you and i know you don't do it for the praise but i think it's important for people to tell you they appreciate you and appreciate the work that you do i'm sure you get to see that every single day with the smiles and the events and everything like that and and for me looking from the outside um it's it's awesome and you know for someone who's a big fan of of hip-hop culture and of everything that essentially it brings forward uh, dance is probably one that we don't touch on a lot in the podcast but it is an extremely important part of it and influenced obviously the beginning of hip-hop that's where it started like without b-boys yeah. and without those break beats we don't have hip-hop the way it is right now so um really important for everybody to really understand that the 
the hip hop growth is part of dance and dance has been a really important part of that. And you look at all the different styles of hip hop, like on Absolutely. shows like, so you think you can dance. My favorite genre was always hip hop because you got the pop in, you've got the locking, you've just got all these cool movements. And now you've got all the, all the dance battles across the globe as well. Utilizing the, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see what you do, but before we, we finish up, I actually have only one planned question on this whole podcast. Uh, sure. And it's probably the hardest question I'm going to ask you. So uh, okay. <laughs> I, I build it up. Um, but if you had to recommend one album, I might get you to recommend a dancer as well, actually. See, look at me being able to be flexible. But if you had to recommend one album, doesn't have to be hip hop, any album uh, that you would recommend everybody should listen to at least once, what would it be? And then for you, obviously, if there was a dancer that you think everybody should see or should check out on YouTube at least once, who would that be as well? Oh, okay. So it's the hardest question. Everybody, there's always silence because it is a tough question. Everything else, everybody's like, yeah, I got it. Bodies of work gets really, really hard to compare. Um, especially when it comes down to music for me because I am one of those guys that can listen to everything. I don't care. You know, I'm literally, if it's noise in some way, shape or form and it's, and, it, and, and it's meant to sound good, I'm willing to give it a try. Um, if I had to pick an album right this moment, I would have to go with the Dark City Beneath the Beat soundtrack. Um, I I think it will give anyone who is not familiar with the Baltimore club culture and what our genre of hip hop is a wide open look. It touches so many generations of our culture while creating a masterpiece that literally turned the documentary into almost into a musical. You know, almost every song, almost, not all, but almost every song is featured in the film. And it's literally one of the bodies of work, club music-wise, that I learned I can listen to from beginning to end without that feeling of, okay, it's too much bass, or okay, it's time for something different. You know, the way that uh, Mighty Mark uh, the executive producer for the uh, soundtrack, the way he put this together is just, it has a flow that your mood will almost like that, just that moment when you run out of hype energy and you want something a little mellow, perfectly it kicks in. Just when you kind of want to switch tempos over, perfectly it comes, you know, he just, this was a masterpiece for him. Um, dancers, Ah, again, it's not really fair for me to give too much recognition to legends already. No, but it's see, this question's not so much about legends, it's just someone who you think everybody should appreciate. Like, regardless of they could be someone no one's ever heard of, it, it honestly doesn't matter. The whole point is just someone for you where you're like, this is someone that I, everybody I got should you. Be. Um, so if you go to uh social media. Be more than dance Instagram. We tend to post a lot of the dances from our community. 
there is this, uh, I hate to answer a one with a two <laughs> question. I hate doing this. Uh, but okay, I know how to do this to make it even politically correct. <laughs> I would clearly say to check out our king and queen. So I pick one male, one female. That I like happened. it. I love it. Check out our king and queen of Baltimore. Uh, a Mello, the DJ underscore. I need a vacation is the queen. Uh, their talent is just phenomenal. Um, I wanted to go with the twins. Shout out to the twins. Those are my guys. Uh, they're probably two of the most spectacular dancers I've ever seen in my entire life because their, their story is just attached to the dance. You know, when you talk about two individuals who came from nothing and were so just determined to make it something, whether the outside world understood it completely, you know, you can't put them in a category because their style was so universal. Um, I feel like individuals like them inspire our community, you know, to turn around and see how, just like Phoenix, we rise from the ashes. We rise from the ashes. And I think, you know, our goal is to kind of have these guys' story be very similar to theirs, you know? They'll be able to look back one day and say, hey, no one knew me, heard of me. Here I am on Netflix. You know, thanks to amazing podcasts around the world and magazine interviews and things of that nature. Now I'm being uh, sought after for amazing opportunities. So I would definitely, you know, spin the dancers questions back. I would highlight, you know, two of the most iconic dancers for me. But spinning back to telling everybody, check out that b on the Dance. There's a plethora of talent, but right now I would focus on that king and that queen of Baltimore, A. Mello, the DJ underscore, and I need a vacation. Um, because they'll be defending their throne soon. So this is the time for their legacy to be told. November is king of Baltimore, um, and I think December is for queen of Baltimore. And soon, And then we might have a new recommendation. Who knows? Do they... Actually, I was going to ask you quickly, uh, do they manage, do you often have a reigning king or queen who holds their title for multiple years? Or do you find that people find a way to step up? We have only had a repeat champion once. And the event, this will be its ninth uh, inclusion. Um, there's elements of stepping up, definitely. And then there's also that, uh, if I have to be honest, chicken shit. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a little bit of that, I've made it here, and I'd rather not have people see me come down from the mountaintop. So I'll just spectate this year. It's been a lot of that. It's been okay. a lot of... Let me pass it on. Yeah, I won't defend the crown. Yeah, yeah, I retire. <laughs> I'll just pass it on. Yeah. yeah, but then a few weeks later, they're back in battle mode, wanting to. So it's a, it's once again, it's a, it's a community of passion. So you know, I do understand the ones who's come back and they're like, "Nah, it's a cash prize on the line." I'm there, <laughs> and then there's some who's like. 
I kind of like my legacy and I don't think I want to tamper with it. You know, I kind of respect all, all of the different angles that they shoot me with. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, big event and obviously uh, now happening, recurring every year. So that is a fantastic project and uh, can't wait to, to see the outcome. And as we said, definitely check out the website, check out uh, a Nick on IG as well. Um, and like we said throughout the podcast, doing fantastic work. And I just appreciate you coming on the show. Make sure you check the the documentary or the movie. I, I always struggle to to put it in a genre, but it is like an experience. Let's do it like that. I'm going to call it check yep, out the experience <laughs> because it is like a doco where it's interviewing with people and then it's music all at the same time. So it's hitting literally everything. Uh, and it is definitely called Dark City Beneath the Beat. i got to make sure I get the name right because otherwise <laughs> that we're not really giving the plug. And as we said, be more than dance. Make sure you check out the website. And uh, yeah, props to its founder uh, and uh, CEO and the man who's uh, making it all happening. Um, make sure you give him some props and actually look at, at what they're doing. And yeah, man, I just appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you. Blessings. Thank you so much for having me. You know, um, it's been a great journey. I greatly appreciate the time that we shared. We, we touched bases on so many things, but it was a, a beautiful conversation to say the least. I agree, man. And, you know, that's the beauty of not planning anything is we just get to do whatever we like, talk about whatever we like. Authentically and Authentically let it turn. <laughs> there it is. I, I love it, man. Like, even with my shows, you know, our shows, I feel like, and, and I, I don't want to, you know, big up, but you know how they say Jay-Z kind of like, puts it in his head and then it just kind of come off the top. That's kind of how I like my shows because it's, it's so much authentic energy behind it, you know, and so many people come down and go, Oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I'm like, have you ever been to a show? And like, it's amazing. That's why. That's why. Yeah. Let me work. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you have an idea, but you just got to let the rest happen. Like, you know it, it but you don't know it at the same time. Like that's the, that's the beauty. It's the balance. Let go, let flow. That's it. That is the best way to end the podcast ever. Let go, let flow. I love that. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.